Yeah, it would make more sense that he would remember after. Oh, yeah, maybe we shouldn't have done that. Right. Oh, well, this is the path we're on now. Yeah. yeah. What's done is done. You can't throw her in now. <laughs> right. <laughs> just, oh, sorry, we changed the path. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Toss her in. <laughs> much, much different movie. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Steam Powered Movies. I am Mike, and I am here with my co host. Hello, my name is Dana Frederick. I am a steampunk and fantasy author. I'm a creator of many things and doer of lots of other whatchamacallits. Yes, whatchamacallits and doodads and doohickeys, of which there are several in the film that we watched today. There are. Because for this podcast, Steam Power Movies, we watch a steampunk movie and then we talk about it. And today, I'm so excited. We are kicking off the new year right with a banger. We watched one of my uh favorite franchise films uh the conclusion to the back to the future trilogy back to the future part three it was released in 1990 uh produced by steven spielberg directed by robert zemeckis starring michael j fox and christopher lloyd and we watched it and had some fun dana how was your experience it was great also i love seeing you because you've been so excited for this this has not been on our list since the beginning mm-hmm. and i feel like you've just been waiting for its moment i have and and this feels like a good one mm-hmm. you know we're kicking off 2024 uh-huh um you know thinking about time and new times mm-hmm. so we watched a movie about time travel yep right yeah it's it's i am curious i as i kind of already said one of my favorite film franchises of all time uh-huh i watched this film many times as a kid mm-hmm uh, we had all three on VHS. Nice. And watched them so much. Kind of what's your history and background with this movie? And we could you can broaden that to the franchise. And, you know, had you even seen this one? I'm not sure if you'd seen I this one. I had seen it. It was, gosh, it was years and years and years ago. Um, I think I'm trying to remember if, if my late father was a big fan of these or not. Like, mm. I remember this film being on in our house right but like there were very few films that because my mom was like never really like a big movie buff but there were like a few films that my dad was always like you have to see this film and some of them i did not enjoy (laughs) at all but this was one i feel like was on and maybe this is because like tbs seems to play it all the time yeah it's one of those yeah shows up on cable tv or you know certainly did a lot in like the 90s and yeah. 2000s and stuff yeah so i don't i don't really remember if this was like like my dad like raised me on queen and pink floyd i remember that being <laughs> a far bigger influence on me than like many films right so, right not a big like film household i not guess really yeah. like we watched movies but like never like with a critical eye really mhm so I, I mean, for, for reference for me, I didn't see a lot of films growing up. Uh-huh. We had like 30 movies on VHS and this was one of them. And I watched them all like a hundred times each. Right. Yeah. Because that was all you had. That's available. what we had. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't honestly, I couldn't say like where this came into my life beyond like sort of peripherally. Mm-hmm. So, but it's actually funny watching it now as an adult because this movie is really great fun. I actually yeah. like didn't realize they all are. how fun it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're all fun. 
this was Robert Zemeckis, I think, in his like best phase when he was making these films and some of his other stuff from the from the nineties. I know you've listened to a podcast about like all the films of Robert Zemeckis. Like, what else has he done? Because I I don't know directors a lot of times done quite a few things that you would recognize mm-hmm. um and i am going to tell you some of those films because i don't trust my memory off the top of my head uh-huh. i'm going to look at a list here and stall until it loads uh-huh. because that's what we're doing this is becoming a recurring segment on this podcast <laughs> mike stalls until he finds the information he wants <laughs> <laughs> and then of course when i want it the internet doesn't cooperate with me. Oh, you just turn Wi-Fi off. And it's... You just uh, abandon the Wi-Fi. Stuff is not loading, and this is incredible content right here. We're just going to keep all this in. This is going to be... Every riveting syllable. Part of the show. This is all part of the show. It, it's to see what I, my brain comes up with. Okay, he did Forrest Gump and Contact <laughs> and Flight... Um, he did The Witches, that recent one that we saw. Oh, right. With Anne Hathaway. Yeah. Allied. He did, uh, Polar Express. Oh, he did that. Yep. Interesting. Beowulf. Um. Oh, the weird one? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> weird. He, that was his, like, weird motion capture, bad animation He was really phase. trying to be into that technology. Yeah. Um, Matchstick Men. Uh, oh, wasn't that a... Oh, that was a con movie. Yep. It was about a con. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Castaway. I feel like you would like Matchstick Men. Castaway is another really good one. Oh, Castaway is great. I it's, did like It's hard it. to watch, but it's great. I, I did like Matchstick Men. We yeah. saw it in the theater together yeah. when it came out. I remember out. like you were, like, were into it. Yeah. No. So those are like some of his movies that you've heard of. Um, but we'll get into a little bit more, I think, of some of the stylistic stuff that I think he does really, really well that mm-hmm. really shines in this this movie um but again with your connection to this film Uh it's a little bit weird that we're covering this because it's the third in a trilogy yeah (laughs) Uh, although can i just say sure right off the bat you can say whatever you want pepper noose okay okay (laughs) also (laughs) what else um so i just want to say this film does a really really good job of reminding you what happened in the last one, which I have to say amongst franchise films, I feel like they've just been, they just started to be like, whatever. If you didn't see the last one, right. Too bad. Cause like the Harry Potter films were like that. The Avengers or movies or whatever, the Marvel ones are all like that. Uh-huh. And so often they're, it just, you just like, Oh my gosh, who's that person? What did they do? Mm-hmm. I, ugh. but this one, like, they gave you a review. Thank you, film. Yeah, basically there was a previously on yeah. at the very beginning. Because it's been years yeah. since I've seen either of the other two as well. Mm-hmm. L- luckily, there aren't a ton of characters in these films that you have to like keep track of, mm-hmm. really. It's All mostly... the more reason that maybe some of those other films should be doing this. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's Marty and Doc. And then obviously he has a reason to recap the plot to Doc in the beginning because that version of Doc in 1955 doesn't know what happened in the second it's movie. It's just being really nice consideration of the of the audience. Do, do you know what the plot is to the Back to the Future films, roughly? I remember that they go back to 1955. His mom makes out with him. They Tri- do yeah. the under the sea dance. Not Tries necessarily to make out in with this him. Order. I don't think they actually make out. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. He's like, uh, no, thank you. 
Um, Biff tries to assault her, Mm -hmm. punches him, uh, and then he's like, gotta go back. Gets his dad to save her. Oh, right. That whole thing. So they can get together. That's yeah, right. Yeah. He has so to he get like his parent traps together. them kind of. Yep. And then in the second one, you find out that like old Biff, when they go to the future, gets a hold of the sports record books and he changes mm-hmm. the future by like giving that to young Biff and young Biff makes all those winning bets. Yeah. And then the future is like a burning trash pile. Yep. And they have to fix it. Yep. That's my, that is my, um, <laughs> that's pretty good synopsis. Yeah. And they fix it by, and I actually had to think about this in my head to remind myself, mm-hmm. like how we got to where we were, where, why is Marty back in 1955 at the start of this movie? Mm-hmm. Because he had to go back to 1955 to steal the almanac from young Biff and then burn it. And then he burned it. And then Doc got zapped by the lightning and sent back to the past. And then he got that letter immediately. And that seems the end of two, which set up this one. And then obviously uh, we saw Doc reads that letter in its entirety yeah. at the beginning of this one. So yeah. we're like fully caught up on what old Doc is up to in the Wild West, you know, mm-hmm. being a blacksmith. Yeah. And all that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a little bit convoluted, <laughs> but, but they do catch you up on it. As, as someone who doesn't really enjoy a time travel story... This one does really well. Oh. Like, they they do a nice job of keeping it pretty tidy. Like, you see the scope of things in small details. Mm-hmm. And I like that kind of writing. The, all of the writing in this feels very tight. Oh, yeah. It's very clean. I like it a lot. I just... I, I'm honestly impressed. And I... Have we lost that? I don't know. I don't, that's not fair. Because there are still some films like this. And I'm sure at the time mm-hmm. it was the same where they're just like a bunch of like loosely written films coming out. But this one withstood the test of time because it's so tightly written. Yeah. And part of that is Zemeckis and his uh, writing partner, um, Bob Gale, at the time. They did all these movies together and they very uh, like detailed did like plot outlines of everything Uh, i was yeah i was reading or listening to something that was talking about their process was like they would put basically put scenes and things on three by five cards and like stick them in sequence oh i've seen that that technique yeah that was the technique they followed yeah and so they used that to like track everything that they were doing and lay it all out and they could move stuff around and made sure that they were all like the setups and payoffs like in the right order and everything that was paid off or needed later. Every Chekhov's gun was placed earlier. Okay. This is very interesting to me because um, the program I use to write books, it's called Scrivener. It's not like it's, it's a really popular one. A lot of people know about it. Um, but there's a corkboard function in Scrivener where you can literally do that like it's visually represented by three by five cards like all of your chapters and stuff Mm -hmm. and you can just scoot them around in that same way you can make them different colors you can do all kinds of stuff yeah but yeah those guys when they were writing together it seems like they very much adhered to that and it yeah it makes the the story super tight and that's the one things I really like uh and again maybe that's because I grew up on these films that Maybe that's why I like that style, because it's the kind of movies I watched growing up. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. I can see, like, you you had a standard set for you from a young age, and then from then on you were like, this, this is the point at which we're all aiming. Yeah. I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. Also, totally random. Can sure. we just all appreciate 
what good comedic actors both Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd are. Like, oh, Christopher Lloyd's <laughs> faint in the beginning where he sort of like does a bit of a spin when he goes down. Incredible. Like when he like runs out of the saloon and like dunks his head in water. So good. Yeah. And Michael J. Fox, when he when he calls for the doc, like there's a certain panicky note in his voice where he's like, Doc! <laughs> no, they are fantastic. Yeah, they I mean, they carry all three movies because they're just yeah, they, they keep it so much fun while also giving like urgency and mm-hmm. like setting stakes for stuff. You know, everything's always getting really heavy, you know, uh-huh. great Scott. Yeah. <laughs> that's when you know stuff is getting real great scott yeah (laughs) and in this one they reverse it because in the first two films it's uh marty says this is getting heavy and doc says great scott and there's a scene early in this one where they flip it see i didn't not having watched the the first two in so many years i didn't know that that was a thing so good job i have a whole list of things that are callbacks to the previous oh boy this this might be a (laughs) this might be a very dense episode because i got a whole list of things too but it's not about that well well, we'll get to all that okay i'm sure uh you already mentioned and this is a thing i definitely want to talk about was the time travel aspect of Mm -hmm. it right you say you're not like a huge time travel fan no not really i am i know you are and funny enough These films, the Back to the Future films, actually don't follow my favorite method of time travel writing. Okay. Because... Because yours is like the cycle, right? Where like it goes in a circle. You can see yourself in the past doing the things. My favorite way of time travel stories being written is when they are consistent. That like what happened Mm -hmm. always happened. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you obtain a time travel machine and you go back to the past and you do something, you're not changing what your future or was present is mm-hmm. you are doing the thing that was always done yeah. that leads to the sequence of events that leads to you obtaining the time travel machine and going back in the past. Right, right. But this one doesn't do that. Okay. Back to the future is very like loosey goosey with like you can go back and change things and then the future changes. Like with the picture they had in mm-hmm. this, the picture of the tombstone where he sees that Doc you know, dies on September 7th. So he goes back to September 2nd. Do you remember (laughs) on September 7th you got shot in the back? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That song's stuck in my head for two days. Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I completely (laughs) derailed. It's a completely wrong date, Dana. I know. (laughs) Your joke doesn't make sense. Gosh. Go on. Right, so he takes the picture of the tombstone, then he carries that with him in the past, and then as they change things, the tombstone changes names or disappears. Yeah. I guess based on what's most likely to happen, based on their current course. Sure. Because at one point it says Clint Eastwood on it. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, very loosey-goosey, but there is some consistency mm-hmm. uh, throughout it. Yeah. What would you think about, like this version of a time travel movie with that loosey-goosiness. I actually kind of like it. I feel like it's a little bit more creative than the loop. Hmm. I mean, I I think the loop is consistent. Right. The loop is very clean. I can see how it's kind of an easier mode. I'm not going to say it's easy mode because I don't think writing time travel is easy at all. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe it's just a little bit of an easier mode. And it's just a little bit less messy. 
Hmm. Like if you if you look at different time travel movies and you kind of look at a graph of like all the places they go, like Cloud Atlas is a mess. Yeah, although that's not does anyone really time travel in that, or is it just consciousnesses existing in different I periods? Don't, I don't want to have this conversation. <laughs> I I was so annoyed. You brought that it film. up. I know I did. So there's that. There's uh, the time machine. Yeah. Which also kind of loosey goosey. Kind of yeah. Kind of just whatever is happening is happening. Whatever. So. I I see it as the loop, I mean, mm-hmm. a way to keep things tidy. Right. And that's fine. But also, I feel like this method in Back to the Future 3, it's just a little more fun mm-hmm. because you don't know how things are going to change. Like, what if, you know, something you do, I don't know, like there's that picture of the gravestone and then there's like a statue of a guy on top of it. Like how did that happen? And so I do kind of like the possibilities of this sort of time travel story. Yeah. And I think actually in this one, it's more contained to like small details that get changed, Mm -hmm. you know, like the name of the ravine. Oh yeah. On the map in the old timeies, it's Mm -hmm. like Shonash ravine and, and Dr. Smith is like, Oh, funny. They have the Clayton ravine named this. Mm-hmm. And then they save uh, Miss Clara Clayton from falling in the ravine. Mm-hmm. And Marty's like, Oh yeah, that's what it was named after her that she fell in the ravine. Yeah. Well, I like to, I like this because not everyone remembers everything all the time. Mm-hmm. They sort of remember it like after the fact, which I think is just a little bit more true to people. Yeah. Like all like, you know, that habit of people like, you know, you offer to help, just as someone is like finishing help, like doing a job or something, mm-hmm. but it's just because brains are weird. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, there's no reason that you would like automatically remember why a ravine had a certain name in your town. Right. It's a very like, as you know, Bob kind of thing to be, to be doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, did you know this ravine is named after a teacher that like went headfirst into it? Right. Yeah. It would make more sense that he would remember after. Oh yeah. Maybe we shouldn't have done that. Right. Oh, well, this is the path we're on now. Yeah. yeah. What's done is done. You can't throw her in now. <laughs> right. <laughs> just, oh, sorry. We changed the path. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Toss her in. <laughs> much, much different movie. It's <laughs> yeah. a very different film. <laughs> oh man. Well, before we get like too into the plot and stuff, um, let's talk about why did we watch this movie for this podcast? Mm-hmm. Because we watched steampunk movies. Yeah. Dana, what is steampunk about this movie? I mean, they, again, so many not things. having seen this film in so long, I was pleasantly surprised by so many things. Like, I'm not a gun person at all, mm-hmm. but like the scope on that gun looked very cool where he can shoot the flea off of a dog's back at 500 yards. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so that was very cool. Like he had an ice maker, but of course it's like this enormous steam powered right? contraption for like a <laughs> single cube of ice. I had actually forgotten about that when we were watching the movie and that. So I was like, oh yeah, this ice maker that makes one cube. Yeah. And then like the breakfast machine. When I was a kid, I wanted to like, invent stuff like that because like i loved the jetsons i thought Mm -hmm. the jetsons was very cool i loved i mean i you know me i'm a sucker for gadgets to this day i'm a sucker for stupid gadgets i mean who isn't (laughs) that is cool yeah so like the breakfast machine made me so happy and that's a recurring theme in these movies actually Mm -hmm. that uh doc has one of those contraptions in whatever time he lives in it's the most important meal of the day yeah and or like a thing that like wakes him up in the morning and makes eggs or does whatever yeah i want one (laughs) i have i have a toaster oven that can make an egg so at least i have that i think robert zemeckis is a big fan of 
Rube Goldberg contraptions. Oh, yeah. Because not only are they featured in the films, but I think the plot itself is very Rube Goldbergy. Like the plot is basically like setting up a series of dominoes and then knocking the first one over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that's just what happens. Yeah. You you have which is part of the clever writing, part of like what I like in these kinds of stories is having those things set up in a way that oh yeah, this is why that happened because of that previous thing. Mm-hmm. Um we have as far as steampunkness, it's set in the perfect time frame. Yeah. 1880s are my era. I love it. That's like right smack dab in the middle. I love the fashion, which by the way, there was so much on point fashion. I have so many notes. Oh, okay. Like there were, you know, we had like all of the, the gadgets, we had the steam trains, we had just all of like all of the fun goodness. We had the invoking of Jules Verne. Oh, yeah. Talking about, how, oh, those books were only published like 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't have been a little boy. <laughs> so, oh, and we had Victorian flower language and it was so subtly oh, done. you're right. It was so, in there. Um, yeah. The the flower that uh, Dr. Brown, Dr. Brown. Emmett. Emmett. Mm-hmm. Emmett puts <laughs> on his uh, lapel. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a lilac. Okay. And lilac and Victorian flower language, y'all, I'm obsessed. I have numerous books on this subject. <laughs> Can confirm she is. Yes. Um, the lilac is stands for the first emotion of love. Oh, okay. And I will say, I thought it was lavender at first, and then I remember what lavender means, and it's absolutely not that. Uh, okay. Lavender means distrust. Oh, yeah. That's not going to be what Claire would give Emmett. No, not at all. So I just, like, it's just like a little detail, and they never even, like, bring attention to it. Mm-hmm. It's just really great for us nerds who are into this sort of thing <laughs> yeah and i noticed i bet you probably noted a clara's outfits throughout oh my gosh so many things are you ready <laughs> yes let's okay. do it so we got boots we got bowler mm-hmm. hats we have yep the buttons up the front which is a very important detail i think i've talked about this before where where your buttons are determines your station in life oh right so if you've got right. buttons up the back, it means you can afford you have people to do it, to for, do it you. for you. Yeah. yeah. And then sometimes people would have false buttons up the back to be like, I'm so hoity-toity. And in fact, like, it's just for show, mm. which is just of so course, human. Of course that would happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, she also like, she always has her hair up. That was a thing with Victorian ladies is like, you had your hair up when you were out in public. Like you never had this like half hitch sort of thing. Your hair was up. It was done. You had a hat. Mm-hmm. Also, she had like a little bitty bustle. How could you forget your hat? I know, exactly. They made a big <laughs> deal about it. Like, how could you do something so silly as that? By the way, I just, can we, since I referenced the the mention of the McFly ranch uh-huh. there, where she's like, how could you forget your hat? Can we just talk about their accents for a second? Oh, what do you mean about their accents? <laughs> You know, Mr. Clint Eastwood just came right in and he passed out right on our land. (laughs) You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the SNL sketch with uh, Justin Timberlake. Oh, where he brought sexy back? (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean he'll bring sexy back? It'll be gone and he'll bring it back again. That's what was constantly That's in my head. That's the level of accent. You're yeah. absolutely right. <laughs> Michael J. Fox was doing his Irish accent. Oh my gosh. That's all I could think of. And like, does no one notice the resemblance between them, Seamus and Marty? Like, you have the same <laughs> face. 
One just has more hair on it. I, it's not. They're not supposed to look exactly the same. Come they on, do it's, though, because they're it, the same person. Well, yes, yeah, the same actor. But we're just all pretending. He's got a different hat and a beard and hat hair and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we're pretending, Tana. It's very much like the Clark Kent kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah. So well, you did have uh, you know Mad Dog Tan and uh, confused him. In the beginning, That's he walked true. in the ceiling and said, Hey, McFly. Uh huh. Thought I told you not to come around here. Yeah. Which is another uh, recurring trope in the films. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, that's an, I'll just keep referencing them as they come up. Amazing. Yeah. Every single movie, there's a Biff walking in and saying, Hey, McFly, <laughs> into whatever saloon or uh, soda fountain place there is. Yeah. I'm sure it's not obnoxious at all. No, no. Of course and not. he totally does the thing of like, oh, I was just joking, which is the fallback of all bullies everywhere. Oh, right. Oh, right. I was just joking. Ugh. Oh, right. When they're getting their guns taken. Yeah. At the, the entrance of the party. Mm hmm. Uh, another recurring thing where uh, Strickland came in to take, oh, take their yeah, guns. Yeah. He was the sheriff because he was the principal at the school yeah. in, uh, in 1955 and 85. I actually, <laughs> I remembered him from the movie because I thought that was kind of a fun detail. Yeah. You know, it's what I was thinking, too, is I wondered if they were trying to set up because when he's there at the end, uh, the sheriff, he's got his son. Mm -hmm. He's like, remember that? Remember, remember discipline and keeping people in line or whatever. I couldn't tell if they were just trying to set up that his son is actually the principal from the school like 100 years later. If they're trying to set up that he's that old. I don't think so. Okay, Probably. Not. I think that might be a bridge too far. Probably. You're right. So, but yeah, back to the, back to the, uh, fashion. Back to the fashion. Yes. So we had a little bitty bustle for mm -hmm. Clara because, you know, e proper, really, really nice evening dresses would have had a much bigger bustle, but you know, she's, she's a working lady. She's got, you know, a job. She's not quite that hoity toity, mm -hmm. but she did have like a bow instead that kind of mimicked the size of one of those larger bustles. And, oh, this impressed me so much. Like I said, whoever was on the costuming, oh my gosh. Well done. So they even changed her attire when they came in on the train at the very end when they're kind of like, oh, we built a train and now we're leaving again. We just want to let you know we're not dead. Um, right, right. Her sleeves were like the big puppy sleeves that were very iconic of the 1890s. Mm. So like five to seven years later. Oh, okay. They had even updated her garments to reflect those fashion changes. Okay. And, and that's a just, good little clue into how much time has passed. Right. Well, besides the kids' ages, I guess. Sure. Would probably clue you into. <laughs> yeah. And if, if you ever watched the Back to the Future cartoon as a child, because I did. Oh, no, I, I was, never I got was that. into the cartoon. Okay. I was very into Saturday morning cartoons. Uh, not, a, not a huge surprise at all for anyone who knows me. No. But yeah, they. I think the kids were about the same age as like five to seven-ish years. Mm -hmm. I don't remember if we ever really got told, but. No. Yeah. They were just introduced as Jules and Vern. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> so I specifically remember seeing an episode of the cartoon where they go back to like the Civil War era and they end up being on opposite sides. Mm -hmm. And it's very, it's very heartwar heartwarming. Yeah. Yeah. A whole bunch of people end up hugging and crying. It's sweet. Oh, I mean, there is, it is a, a sweet ending to this movie too. Yeah. Very sweet. Yeah. Uh, like they, they have to like both go on their way, but you know, they have their peoples. Mm-hmm. And it's a very wicked steam engine at the end, too. Oh, I was going to say. It was so cool. I was going to say, I think we might have a hard time through all of the episodes of this podcast, past and future, finding a 
cooler steam powered contraption it than that exist. time train? I don't think so. I don't think that exists. Yeah. I, I think this is the peak of steam powered contraptions. Yeah. And it is, in fact, steam because he tells us it runs on steam. Yeah. We don't know how. Not important. No, 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 no. Yeah. Just hand wave past that. You know, he's a genius. He can make it happen. Yeah. He can make super fire logs in the yeah. 1880s. And you know, it's like clean burning. Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and he had like, just like even the windows on the cab of the steam engine were very cool. Like it just all of the details were so neat on this thing. I oh, love yeah. it so much. Oh, yeah. Time train rules. Um, yeah, so it's incredibly steampunk, this whole film. Mm -hmm. It takes a little while to get into it because I have to do the setup in the beginning. But once we hit the Old West, it's like rocking and rolling yeah. with all the steampunk references and contraptions and all that stuff. But also I think like the the comedy, I know we kind of touched on this already, but like the comedy mm -hmm. is so good. Like they have one of my favorite tropes in here. Oh, yeah? The Like when you're trying to schedule something trope, and it's oh. like, I'll see you tomorrow. We can't do it tomorrow. We're busy. I mean, I'll see you the next day. We are also busy then. I when when are we free? Yeah. <laughs> I just I just really love that trope. Oh, and then it's so and dumb. Then, uh, Mad Dog's like seven a.m. I like to do my killing before breakfast. And Marty's like trying to stall. He's like uh, eight eight a.m. I do my killing after breakfast. That's right. Like, since we're negotiating here, right? I oh my gosh, it's just. It's really just delightful. I was so I was so pleasantly surprised because like I genuinely I did not remember most of it. Yeah. I remember the thing with the um the clever use of the the stove door. Yeah. Where Marty basically uses like a bulletproof vest. Which is a reference from Back to the Future Part Two. Is it? It really is. Because in Back to the Future Part Two, in the alternate future where Biff has gotten the almanac and made all these super crazy bets and made a billion dollars and uh turned hill valley into uh las vegas but even worse mm -hmm. uh there's a scene where marty walks into the penthouse suite where biff is like in a hot tub and he's watching a movie on the wall and it's an old western where a guy pulls the thing that marty then copies oh no way where he's in a shootout and he has like a metal protector under his big uh poncho yeah and does the same thing uh yeah oh that's so cool so that's where marty got the idea was from his adventures in the future oh that's fun watching an old western gotcha i also learned something oh what'd you learn so i didn't know that dude was a term from this era oh okay so like i ended up looking it up while we were watching and yeah apparently according to the interwebs that dude referred to people usually men who dressed richer than they were. And then he, and then Biff later says like all dude it up. And oh. I was like, this is so interesting. I did not know this. It's one of those things. It's kind of like the Tiffany problem mm -hmm. where it sounds way too modern for the era, but actually like history is stranger than fiction. And it's accurate. Yeah. yeah when I heard that too, I was like, wait, is that anachronistic? But then I, he said it again. And I was like, it must be from the time for real and you did the research so my, thank my you. research is full of when does da 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 come into use mm -hmm. basically so i can figure <laughs> out can i use the thing or like was it invented yet because like the the world i write in it's of my own creation but it's basically set in like 1880s technology right so if it's if it's from after that i generally don't use it yeah although it it's funny how they use marty's like 
anachronistic speech to confuse people. Oh, yeah. Where he's like, lighten up, jerk. And they just look at each other like, wait, what? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then Biff's like, should I be offended? He like, look at his henchmen like, what does he mean? Yeah. And they're just like, just go on, go on. <laughs> Which becomes a funny thing as it goes on where basically, uh, I keep saying Biff, but Mad Dog, whatever. He's the same person. It's the same, it's the same actor yeah. playing the same character, basically. Uh, is like looking to his henchman like he said a thing i understand what is it mm -hmm. or even like what's the next what's the number after six like <laughs> looking over yeah yeah I, I like i like every detail in this i think all the jokes and stuff are 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 clever i can really see why it stands the test of time there are some movies where i'm like i don't i don't really get it but okay but like this one this is what i see yeah the the one thing that doesn't completely hold up would be the native american uh references and placements it was of the time that to call them indians yeah but and there's it's there's still controversy on that there's it's kind of one of those things of like no one is actually asking the indigenous people hey what would you like it's still a bunch of white people being like oh we can't do this anymore like mm -hmm. we're just arbitrarily making this decision yeah yeah i think yeah it depends on who you ask yeah i've i've seen some is. educational videos on this and it it's all it's very complex yeah but yeah, besides that, like everything else pretty, pretty much holds yeah. up. But as a white person, I'm just going to continue. I'm going to continue to say indigenous and Native Americans and just, you know, just be on the side of caution. Right. Although it is a good joke that they set up where Marty is like, oh, well, I'm going to run into those, uh, the, the Indians on the wall if I, if I just go ahead first into it. And Doc's like, no, you're going to time travel. They won't, they won't be, be there. there. They're there. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. What can was, go wrong? It was really nice that they like thought of details like, hey, were there trees here to run into right? a hundred years ago? Will there be train tracks here a exactly. hundred years from now? Yeah, no, they were like really, really well thought out things that again, I, I don't mean to harp on this, but like, I just feel like a lot of movies, they're just like, pass. They're like, we don't care. Whatever. Well, Doc Brown's smart. You I know? know. He's so smart. He's a, he's a very smart scientist. I do like that literally every single time he says, according to my calculations, genuinely, he's done the math and his calculations are correct. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he even did a scale model. Oh, well, not to scale. but Not to know. scale, Mike. <laughs> they made a very, very pointed point to make sure that you know it's not to scale. That's another recurring thing <laughs> in the previous films mm -hmm. where he builds a not to scale model. Mm -hmm. But I like the detail that he makes it a working model. Uh-huh. It's not just to look at. Yeah. Like the, the train actually powers and like things happen. And yeah. then the first one, like it catches on fire. And yeah, his little he's, model of the school area. He's not half assing yeah. this. No. He whole asses it. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Yeah. Got to. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about yeah. is what did you think of the portrayal of Clara? Because this movie would actually be incredibly boring without her character in mm -hmm. it yeah she basically makes the plot interesting mm -hmm. she throws kind of a monkey wrench into things yeah and then also kind of helps out in other ways later um because basically if her character is not in the film mario goes back in time and meets up with doc and they you know don't do any of the other things they don't go to the the festival Mm -hmm. you know they don't have the feud they with, just lie low for a weekend yeah they lie low for five <laughs> days go rob a train 
hijack, borrow a train for a science experiment. Yeah, which is a great line, by the way. Right, right. Is this a holdup? No, it's a science experiment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. And then they go back to their time, and then that's it. Mm-hmm. But Clara comes along and not only motivates all the plot decisions, but also like the character beats and arcs. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like this is really Doc's movie. It's yeah. a lot about him and his way of thinking changing. Yeah. Instead of just being strictly scientific all the time to allowing room for human emotions. He has human emotions, but he just hasn't experienced love yet. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my only issue is I don't, I'd never like Insta love where it's like love at first sight. Yeah. I just, I'm just never on board with that, but I actually really like Clara's character she is very self-possessed. She knows what she likes. Mm-hmm. She knows what she wants. She speaks her mind. And she also she like does. isn't afraid to, number one, she sees when a situation is bad and what needs to be done. So like when Biff is like threatening Doc at the dance with his little daringer, mm-hmm. daringer, daringer, however you pronounce that. One of those. Yeah. yeah. Like she steps in and she's like, look, no, like, fine, I'll dance with you. And like, yes, there could be an argument to be made of like, oh, she's sort of like, you know, giving into a bully. But like, what else is going to happen? She's just going to like let Doc get shot. Like, right. So she's brave, even though she knows that like this guy's a piece of dirt. Yeah. And yeah. I I like her. I it like her character. Dirt, practically. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, he <laughs> definitely needed a bath. Yeah. They had a bathhouse right there mm-hmm. and a barber in the same place. Yeah. He didn't bother. Yeah, no. But, uh, you know, I like her a lot, you know, and she she says exactly what she thinks. She doesn't mince her words. Like when Doc tells her the story of like, I'm from the future and I have to come back tomorrow. <laughs> yes. And she's like, she's completely forthright with him. Like, that's really insulting that you think I would believe you. And of course, it's like, it's the truth. But like, right. yeah, like no, no words are minced. No sugarcoating is done. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. Obviously, her being there causes the whole interaction at the festival yeah which leads to the standoff at high noon mm-hmm. or high eight o'clock yeah or seven fifty-five, uh whatever time mm-hmm. uh and doc having to you know say goodbye to her but yeah. her not believing him sends uh-huh. him spiraling uh-huh. but then it also sends her kind of spiraling and she gets on the train they're going to hijack yeah and then because they're delayed by the shootout and uh, Doc drinking one whiskey because uh-huh. he can't handle his liquor at all. No, he can't <laughs> handle like even a drop of liquor. He just stares at it all night and then does one shot and he's on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she stops the train. Yeah. So earlier they were talking about like, oh yeah, eight o'clock. Uh, Marty's like, we'll be gone. That's why I said it for eight o'clock. And then Doc's like, well, what if the train's late? And Marty's like, wait, what? That could be a thing. Right. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Like, that that could possibly happen now like and i know that it's kind of a joke for us because at least here in the u.s trains are late all the time oh yeah and in england too sure i mean you get into other countries like germany and stuff and it's it's they run a little bit of a tighter ship but we've been on a train that was delayed in germany yeah so it does happen it can't happen it was it was it's kind of a joke though like yeah trains are late kind of all the time right but no i like that i didn't even think about that yeah and then the train being late ends up being a good thing for them yeah but it's delayed because of her. Yeah. Because she pulls the stop. Right. To get off the train. It just, it all works out so, it, so nice and it neat. It does. It's, the whole movie's a Rube Goldberg. That's yeah, what it, it really is. is. You're not wrong. <laughs> all the pieces fall in place. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like that way of thinking about writing is that like one thing affects another, affects another. 
mm-hmm. but also their choices are having a profound effect on what happens. Like when Doc drinks his drink, mm-hmm. he then passes out. Oh no, we have a new wrinkle. Right. I I like it. I like this way of thinking about about writing. And it's not just random things happen to them. The things that happen that end up being the roadblocks are things that they do that mm-hmm. are like a consequence of their character. I love a good consequence. <laughs> yes. But like, you know, even Doc have, wanting to go say goodbye to her. Like he didn't yeah. have to do that. But no. That threw a wrinkle into things. But that that was true to his character. That yeah. He would want to do that. Uh-huh. Because he loves her. He did. Instantly. Even he was poo-pooing love at first sight like five minutes before it happened to him. I know. I know. <laughs> blah uh, sorry i i'm i'm very much a romantic about a lot of things just not that <laughs> all right um before we get to the end any other like little things or thoughts that you wanted to bring up or talk about or mention about this film this cowboy shirt had adams on it did it did you not see no i didn't oh notice that oh my gosh he had like there were adams on the sleeves and there were adams like all around the the shoulders How did i never noticed that oh my gosh it what? was so awesome like i guarantee you can find that shirt somewhere that and makes buy you it. want to turn the movie back on and check again no I seriously like they're they're that. right there on the shoulders what it's so fun that is that is a wild wild i've i've seen this movie like 50 times i never noticed that isn't crazy this is why we do this you see it like three times and notice things that's incredible i'm not even sure this is the third it's one of those films where i may have watched it like sat down and actually watched the whole thing at one point in history but otherwise it's mostly been like kind of passing through a room when it was on the tv Mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah I'm just trying to see if I have any other notes about anything. Oh, oh, yeah, there's one more thing. Okay. Oh, just like I I sort of squeed a little bit. See, I am romantic about some things. Right. Like, <laughs> just when, not romance. <laughs> no, just not insta-love. Insta-love is dumb. I'm sorry. Okay. Anyway, so like when they connect over Jules Verne, like there is possibly oh, no... Oh, that was sweet. That was a very sweet moment. There's just like no deeper connection than when you like connect with someone over a book i don't know what it is like it's not the same as a movie Mm -hmm. it's not the same as a tv show or any other experience but like when you've both like lived in that world the world of the book and been with those characters and then you come out of it and you've just had this life-changing experience Mm -hmm. and then you also find someone else who's also had that life-changing experience who like gets it Mm -hmm. oh my gosh i love that feeling I love finding people who are also in love with the same books that I am. Yeah. I feel like that was actually the moment in the story where they for real fall in love. I think you're right. I, 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 I changed my vote. Yes, that is. I, I totally agree. <laughs> yeah. I wrote that. And before it was just like, oh, wow, like adrenaline or whatever. And like, we're not dead. Hooray. That's yeah. I agree. I agree with you. I'm cha- Yeah. That's new headcanon. Yeah. Well, yeah. When, when they meet, it's like, thank you for saving my life. We've been through this traumatic experience. Also, I like the cut of your jib. There you go. You know, trauma bonding. Right. Uh, and they they find each other attractive in, mm-hmm. you know, personality and appearance. Yeah. And then when they get to know each other on that deeper level is when mm-hmm. they're like, this is my person. Yeah. This is this is it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I had a couple of things that were callbacks. OK. To other things in previous. There's probably more that even I didn't catch or write down. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was obviously uh, Marty being called chicken or yellow or got no gumption 
Right. That's his thing throughout all the films. His major character flaw mm-hmm. is that if you say that he's scared or chicken to do something, then he will prove you wrong by being an idiot. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> um, which he reverses at the very end mm-hmm. when he doesn't do the drag race yeah. and get into the wreck mm-hmm. that would have led to the alternate future from Back to the Future Part 2. Yeah. Uh, where Flea uh, plays the character Needles. What a name, too. It's a great character name. I like name. the name Needles. I want to I wanna put that in something. Needles. <laughs> and he's such a, it's such a good, like, punk name. Yeah. Right? And Flea does it well. Mm-hmm. He's just like, I'm a big punk. Like, you know, I'm bossing you around. And then in part two, he's his boss. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who uh, talks him into doing the thing that gets him fired. Uh-huh. So now this reverses that whole course. Right. Right. Uh, we mentioned Strickland. Uh, oh, the thing where Tannen gets some sort of phrase wrong. Like, shoot him like a duck. Oh, right. When his henchman's like, you mean shoot him like a dog, right? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Make like a tree and get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> like a screen door on a battleship. That's What's the, that one? That's the one he says in the first film. I don't remember. Screen door on a battleship? It's supposed to be screen door on a submarine. That's a phrase. Oh. Yeah. Like useless as a screen door on a submarine. Oh, I didn't know that. Is a phrase. I... But he says screen door on a battleship. Cool. So he gets it wrong. I almost you know. said I've never been on a submarine, but I actually think I have been on a submarine before. Like well, on a tour. I guarantee it didn't have a screen door. That it did not. You're very correct. Well done. <laughs> it's like you were there. You might have been. <laughs> also, can we just can we just all agree? Like a completely legitimate argument is he's a hole. Like, yeah. That has the same energy as, and I'm not trying to be political here. This is just a thing that happened. Like (laughs) when some news reporter was asking Pete Buttigieg four years ago or whatever during the like um, election. Right. Like, oh, Trump said blah, blah, blah about you. And Pete Buttigieg started to like answer with something diplomatic. And he's just like, he's an idiot. Like, who cares? (laughs) Right. Who cares? (laughs) Who cares what that guy thinks? Yeah. It had like that same energy. Yeah. So, and that's a perfectly valid answer. Indeed it is. Indeed it is. Uh, other things where Marty picks up the, the cult and gives a shooting expedition. Oh yeah. Sorry. Exhibition Mm -hmm. words and stuff. Words are hard. It's okay. And the guy's like, where'd you learn to shoot like that? He's like, oh, 7-Eleven. Because yeah. <laughs> he played Duck Hunt or whatever the game was in the original one. Right. And Which then, duck, like shooting them like a duck kind of makes sense since was Duck Hunt out by then? I remember we got a Nintendo hmm, when I was question. five. Yeah. I don't so think I don't it know was, Duck Hunt was. It wasn't actually Duck Hunt in mm-hmm. the film. It was like some other version of that. Oh, was though. it? Okay. I don't know. Or was it? Okay. I don't know. I've got to be wrong one way or the other. Yeah. I, I, oh, no. I'm paralyzed. I can't figure out what to, what to say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be wrong on a podcast. Because <laughs> it exists forever, Mike. Yeah. People will come after you. Um, actually. Unless I edit this part out. We'll see. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I am the editor. So we'll see what I decide later. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and then the ending thing with the manure where. Oh, it's so gross. I hate that scene. It tannin, gets in his mouth. A tannin falls in manure and, it's get, so gross. and gets it in his mouth in all three films. <sighs> that is what happens. I don't like it. I know. It's gross. I know. It's gross. But he deserves it. Man. I know. But it's still, bad. it's just, it's so gross. It's, it is. It's bad enough to like it for it to touch you, but for it to like be in your mouth. Ah. <laughs> 
hate it. Oh, and then the beginning thing where Marty wakes up in bed and it's the actress that plays his mom. Leah Thompson. Leah Thompson. She was at Huntsville Condoms that last year. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, still getting checks. Yeah. That's great. Oh, the concert can can really do a nice job for people. Yeah. So yeah, he wakes up to Leah Thompson in every time uh frame. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I didn't know that either. Mm-hmm. That's very funny. That is what happens. Uh any other little moments or things? No. I'm just I'm really pleasantly surprised at this film and I had a really good time. I had a great time too. Um I like the part in the beginning where uh Marty is explaining everything to Doc and Doc falls backwards on the organ and starts playing ominous music. Oh, right. Oh, <laughs> I love a so good, good like musical cue that's built into the scene. Yeah. Uh, that's really good. Um, and all the other things. Everything has a setup. The thing with the spittoon. Yeah. They, oh. show, they show someone just using it randomly and then it comes back like in a few minutes when they have that fight. Uh, Let's check off spittoon. Yep. There's lots of Chekhov's everything. This yeah. is like almost every scene of this film, there's a Chekhov something. It's yeah. placed there. It's for a reason. Mm-hmm. It's not not always like highlighted, yeah. but it's there. Mm-hmm. Everything is there. The Frisbee is there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was fun. That was a fun fun use of what you have around you. Yeah. Uh, why would you run for fun? <laughs> the old guys talking. <laughs> there's there's that certain voice as well. I don't know if it came before this or if this sort of established the trope, but that voice of like an old cowboy being like, they talk kind of like this with a real shaky, high pitched voice. And I don't I don't know why this exists. I don't know it's what thing. you mean. I'm just talking about. It. It's yeah. just like I don't know like where this was established, but it's kind of like. In the same way that Agatha Christie's and then there were none established that murder mystery trope of like a whole bunch of strangers are invited to like a big house and then they start getting picked off one by one. Like she started that. And I wonder if like this film started that weird cowboy talk trope. Hmm. I don't think so. Probably not. It probably existed elsewhere, but I just I don't I don't I don't know. I think that. Spielberg and Zemeckis just watched a lot of Clint Eastwood movies. Oh, do you think there's a guy in there? Pulled things from that. Yeah. I I have not seen very much Clint Eastwood at all. Uh So I'm not sure. I'm just imagining that they just pulled things directly from that because they're like, we're playing in the old West. Let's let's even just have Marty call himself Clint Eastwood. Because why not? (laughs) Right. Because he doesn't want to give his real name to the McFly family. I should ask my granddad, but he doesn't really get my sense of humor. So I don't know if it's going to come across. (laughs) Because he's watched a lot of Clint Eastwood. Speaking of Clint Eastwood, that's one thing, a detail. I had a a question Uh uh, and a a little sequence that will lead up to that question. Mm -hmm. I thought it was pretty funny. So he named himself Clint Eastwood because Mm -hmm. he had to think of a name that would work in the Old West in his mind. Yeah. And then at the end where he's in the saloon and Mad Dog is calling him out. He's like, you got to come out here. And Marty's like, well, what if I don't go out there? And the people in the the bar are like, well, then everybody's going to think that Clint Eastwood was the 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 biggest ninny in the West or whatever it is uh-huh. they said. And in that moment, it's like, wait, so does Marty feel like he has to defend the name of Clint Eastwood in the <laughs> Old West? <laughs> like, is that part of why he has to this go This is how out? he's going to change the future, is that no one's ever going to write movies with Clint Eastwood. Exactly. So... Because he succeeds and becomes a legend and has oh. the canyon named 
uh, Eastwood Ravine. Uh huh. Is Clint Eastwood in our universe named after Marty McFly, calling himself Clint Eastwood? I would. I would be totally on board with this, except we have established this is not a loop film. As far as time travel. No, but some things stay consistent mm-hmm. and not everything is like changed completely. I, I don't know. Can you have it both ways? I think you can. I don't know. Uh, okay. I don't get too far into it because this is a whole other podcast. But like, <laughs> I think the time travel in Back to the Future is not loops, but it's like branching timelines. Mm-hmm. And so like when Marty does something from his timeline and changes something into a future like he is kind of crossing streams into a different okay. timeline i now. absolutely <laughs> will not be participating in a metaverse conversation i that's it's not is... multiverse it's 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 just he oh, sorry, is like crossing yeah. streams into different timelines that are branching because that's how doc explains it no in the second film no. it would all I make just, sense i just i just got disappointed by a film <laughs> or rather a series with that, I won't. I won't say because not everyone's <laughs> seen it yet, and it's too close, and that's not what this podcast is about. But no, <laughs> I refuse to accept this. I debunk your argument thusly with no. What we can't spend the next forty-five minutes arguing about time travel theories. I, I don't know. I will not have a multiverse conversation. Okay, fine. I guess I'll have to start my own podcast. <laughs> time travel movies with Mike. Oh, do it by myself. Just one dude talking to the I'll microphone. Argue with myself about the time <laughs> streams and lines and everything. Oh my gosh. Anyway, well, I love you, but I hate this idea. <laughs> well, at least the stunts in this movie were real. Oh, were they? Well, you could tell everything was like done for real except for the hoverboard part you know that was fake and the train did not actually fly well yeah but it's probably a model that's true that's very true yeah it was probably some sort of model that they shot maybe the train at the end that might have been cgi i don't think so because the cgi they did have was very bad and i don't think they had the ability to make a cgi train that looked that bad like that train looked really good i think that was like they built whatever that was some probably some combination yeah they had to build at least a model of it Mm -hmm. yeah um but yeah this was also a contrast to we just watched the newest um what's his face uh harrison ford uh indiana jones oh yeah in watching that this felt like a like a breath of fresh air in the sense that you know traditional indiana jones Mm -hmm. they had scenes of like people climbing on trains and Uh like riding horses in the old west and the newest Indiana Jones, you couldn't, you didn't really have those scenes mm-hmm. because everything was so cut tightly and like Harrison Ford is old now. Like there was so little that was actually in camera. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of blue screen and effects and stuff. But this movie was like, that's someone riding a horse. That's someone actually climbing on top of a train. It was so much fun. Yeah. I mean, give Harrison Ford a break. He's done a lot of stunts in his life. Oh, yeah. So. Well, anyway, on this podcast... At the end, yes, we give a rating. Yep, not based on our amateur critic brains mm-hmm. and what we think of the CGI or anything like that, right? But just on uh, how much we enjoyed it. But first, how steampunk is this movie, Dana? We are going to rate it on a scale of one to five steam engines. How steampunk is Back to the Future Part Three? Okay, I'm going to use the sportsy term. I Uh-oh. hope I'm using this correctly. Drop in, folks. I think. <laughs> I think this was an upset. An upset? Yeah. Okay. Because I went into this thinking it was going to be one 
Wow. Just one. Wow. Like, I only remembered the train. You didn't remember much at all. Then. No, I yeah. didn't. And then we had like <laughs> all of these cool gadgets and all the fashion and such good attention to detail. So I'm going to give it... It's close. Okay. If you say anything less than five, I'm disappointed. Oh my gosh. I'm allowed to say what I'm going to (laughs) say. Me and Clara, we're going to start a club. Say what we want to say. Okay. This is not a bad rating. Okay. I'm only going to give it three out of five. I protest. (laughs) And here's why. You better have a good reason. A lot of the film, a lot of the beginning specifically and a bit of the end okay it takes place in our own time well in the 80s well yeah and the 1980s yes the whole film takes place in the 80s you're not wrong (laughs) (laughs) well part of it takes place in 1955 as well okay you're right there's a little bit so but we have some like modern day stuff and Mm -hmm. that does take me out of things a little bit like i was so happy when i was in the old west hanging out with them when we Mm -hmm. went back to 1985 i was kind of like oh yeah we're here like it was just like a little bit of a letdown because i was having such a good time in the old west well it was just the closing of the loops of the stories and the trilogy and everything and i like so the era is correct Mm -hmm. but we didn't have nearly as many steampunk gadgets as i would want to give it a five or a four or five hmm so I'm only giving it a three, but I want to say that's not a bad score. Did this movie have more or fewer steampunk gadgets than The Muppet Christmas Carol? Okay. Which you gave a five. Do I need to give another TED Talk <laughs> on that? Can we compromise and say four, please? Okay. All right. Four. All right. Since that is how the law of averages works. <laughs> yes. All right. In my mind, it's a five, but okay. Okay. We can compromise. You are... An expert in the genre. I am an expert in the genre. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, now the rating for how much did you enjoy the film? How much fun did you have? What did you think, uh, Dana? One to five gears. Oh, five of five. I had a grand time. I did too. I'm giving it five top hats for me. Five out of five top hats. Mm-hmm. Great. Lots of fun. Enjoyed it. Um, it was it was everything that I wanted this this evening to be for mm-hmm. us to watch this film and have fun and uh, and laugh and talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any any parting thoughts, Dana? Puff sleeves. My gosh, I love a puff sleeve. <laughs> More puff sleeves everywhere. We'll work on that. And if anyone listening has any final thoughts or suggestions or corrections to stuff i'm sure we got wrong uh please uh let us know you can reach us on our social medias on twitter we are at steam powered pod on threads and instagram we are steam powered movies you can go to steampoweredmovies.com for past and present episodes and more information uh about all of the goings on and everything um thank you so much for listening if you do send us a suggestion for a film to watch we'll give you a shout out yep so please hit us up with any of those suggestions maybe we'll cover it in this new year of 2024 (laughs) so uh join us for this uh exciting new year of the podcast and thank you and we will see you again next time okay bye bye Thank you.